Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, good morning. Welcome to Connection Point and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach and Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad you've joined us this morning. Uh, before Shelly and I came to Connection Point, we had served overseas in East Africa and in the Middle East. Uh, spent some time running schools and making disciples and, and looking to establish a church where it did not exist. And, and uh, one of the great people we got to work with in the Middle East had been there for uh, 30 plus years. Uh, he came and visited with uh, here at Connection Point last September. He shared on a Sunday morning and and just got to share the wonderful things that God is doing in the Middle East and beyond the Middle East today and, and the way that God is changing lives. And as Ross shared, one of the things that he mentioned in, in terms of how these believers operated or, or they had a couple of mantras and one of those is that they were committed to Ish Isa, which in Arabic, if we translate that to English, it means to live Jesus. They had this incredible commitment to, to be who Jesus was to the world. And he just kind of talked about a number of different things then on the Sunday morning services, and, and uh, he shared in lunch as well. And, and as Ross shared, he didn't unpack a lot of those things. So then as I uh, took him to the Indianapolis airport, uh, we had a good hour in the car, and, and so then I asked Ross, Ross, can you unpack that more fully? And, you know, we had worked with Ross for about four years, and so heard a lot about the teachings of Jesus. So these were things that wasn't unfamiliar to me, but he had... That was kind of new since we've been here that, that this group of believers were really committed to, to this, to live Jesus. And, and so then he shared with me what that was and unpacked that for me. And, and so what I want to do this morning is share that with you. And I want to do that as a part of this series because I, I firmly believe that as the Lord is awakening the North American church to a new beginning, one of those things is that we awaken to live like Jesus did. He as the mentor of all mentors and the way that he lived and the way that he led his disciples to live too. That there's an awakening that's happening for us to truly be Jesus to the world in which we live. But that looks like something very particular, and so that's what I want to share with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's Word with you today. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that just as a weekly reminder. We really want you daily in God's Word. And not just today, but every day. And so I would encourage you to, to find a way to do that. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we look at Romans chapter 13 today. Uh, we're actually just looking at one verse, going to do it in a couple of different translations, just to drive home kind of this one point today. But it's going to be unpacked five different ways, so you can take that however you want. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, and here's what Paul, uh, a New Testament follower of Jesus, he's writing the church in Rome, and he's encouraging them. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Amen. Lots of ways to look at that today. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we kicked off this series on a great awakening with the understanding that the Lord is leading us. He's awakening us to, to a new beginning. And now that we've shared the message last week on the gospel, Shelley mentioned it during the announcements, but I would encourage you, if you were not here, go back and listen to it. If you were here, go back and listen to it again. There's a lot in there. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a lot to 
what the gospel is. I really would encourage you to go back and listen to that a couple of times so that you can grab out of that message everything that's there. Because it really is good news that we have. It is good news that Jesus came. And we need to understand the good news for what it is. And I actually, as I was reflecting on the gospel and the good news, if you have grown up in a setting, in a, in a Christian household, sometimes we can forget the good news that we actually have. And things that we have been set free from, but because we've just lived that way, we can forget about that and, and actually forget that that's a part of our story to be shared. So I encourage you, go back and listen to that. But part of what I shared last week as we got into Genesis is at creation... God gives this command to Adam and Eve. The first command is to be fruitful and multiply. So the new beginning that we have, in a lot of ways, it's not necessarily new. The new beginning that we have is just going back to the original likeness that we were made in and that God gives us to be fruitful and multiply and govern, he says. So we're to be fruitful that we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that we look like Jesus, and, and out of that we make disciples, which are multiplication factors of becoming like Christ. And, and then we're to help govern as a part of this world, as God's under-governors. And so we're going back to that. So the new beginning, in a lot of ways, it's not new. It's just going back to our original intent. And that happens because of what Jesus did, that he came and through his death, resurrection, and ascension, that now we can live like Jesus. Now we can be fruitful and multiply once again and, and be his co-governors in the world. That's awesome. But now we got to step into that life. So we are awakening to this new beginning, but then we also take a look at, but how does that happen? The entry point for a new beginning is one of experiencing the gospel. I'm going to use the language from last week. You are meant to experience the gospel, that you are meant to live free, to be set free. So what are you held captive to? And I would say this, I actually mentioned it at the, the end of the last service, I'll mention it here though. Man, if you walk in here on a Sunday morning and there's something that's got a hold of your life, come on a Sunday with the intent of being set free from it. Amen. That part of why we gather on a Sunday is we set up these places that we would call as guaranteed places of encounter with Jesus, of, of in song and in giving and, and through the word. And, and so then I would encourage you, you are meant to be set free. So if you come on a Sunday and you're struggling with something, can I encourage you? We've got the prayer team here really for a purpose. And I'll also say this, if we have too many people to be prayed for, we can always ask more people to pray. Walk out of here free on Sundays. You're meant to live in that. You have to experience the gospel for yourself because then you have a gospel story to share that I dealt with and was struggling with anger, but the Lord set me free from that. That was one the Lord reminded me of as a kid. Like I had anger issues and I don't even know why. I had great parents, but I did. And the Lord set me free from that. In fact, to the point where Shelly and I were dating, I was thinking about this this morning. We were dating, and she had never seen me upset, because it takes a lot to get me upset. And so she made her nervous, though, because she's like, <clears throat> so I've never seen you upset. And I don't know what to think about that, but I need, so here's 5'4 feisty Shelly. She's like, but I need to let you know, if you ever, ever do anything to me, I won't, I won't do anything. I won't do it. But when you go to sleep, I'm just like, where is this conversation going? <laughs> Woo! And I'm alive and well, so you can see that things have gone okay, you know, 20 years later, so. <laughs> the good news in my life is somebody who's struggling with anger, Jesus can set you free from that. That's part of my story. What's part of your story? Jesus can set you free from things. And so that's where we enter. So we understand that we have this new beginning we can enter into, one of going back to creation, of that we can be fruitful and multiply and co-govern. 
as God has, has intended us to. Why? Because Jesus says he, he has all authority in heaven and earth. So go. And so he gives us that too. And so then we can be fruitful and multiply. And so then we enter into experience the gospel that we can experience healing and wholeness in Jesus. And, and once we experience the gospel, we can live in the gospel. And we live in the gospel because we all have spiritual gifts. Jesus has given you a special gift. I don't know what it is. Well, some of you I do. But it could be apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. Like this room is full of those. But we need to activate them. Because there's some incredible promises in Ephesians chapter 4. It says once those things are activated, we get to live the gospel in really awesome ways. That we actually look like Jesus collectively as that happens. So we experience the gospel, we live in the gospel, and we get to share the gospel. And what we're going to look at today is how Jesus did that. And Jesus did it with mentoring. He was the mentor of all mentors, that he mentored the disciples. And what these disciples learned out of that mentoring is four really important things. And this is what Ross shared with me as we were driving to the airport, that we've got these believers that are in the Middle East and well beyond. I, I want you to understand the scope of what has happened in that movement. Ross wouldn't share numbers, but it's hundreds of thousands of people today. That's amazing. So I don't know about you, but if hundreds of thousands of people have figured out that living Jesus is a really vital part to advancing the kingdom, I want to figure that out too. And my encouragement to us this morning is we can figure it out. We can figure that out together. You are able. Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit. If you've not devoted your life to Jesus, you're not able yet. But change that today. Follow Jesus and you're able. And so then as we look at today, what happens for the disciples is they learn as Jesus mentors them to be who Jesus was, to do what Jesus did, to believe what Jesus taught, and to obey what Jesus commanded. It changed their lives and it's changed the world. It's changed the world. And, and we have that capacity this morning. So we can enter into, we can be a part of the next great awakening by learning to be who Jesus was, to be who he was. But I also understood as I was getting into this point that maybe you're wondering, can we really be who Jesus was? After all, he was the son of God. And that's true. Thank the Lord, the Son of God came. But now here's the thing, that we also find in Jesus a person we can be like. He's our example. As God come in the flesh, that's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Jesus isn't just our Savior and Lord, although praise the Lord, he is our Savior and Lord. But he's also our model too. Jesus, though always God, he deliberately chose to limit his divine attributes and power in order to not only show us who God is, but also to demonstrate for us what the normal Christian life should look like. Jesus is normal. Which unfortunately means we might not be, right? <laughs> but that's all right, because Jesus is showing us a better way. He really is. And I want you to understand this this morning because th this might be new for you to consider today. Uh, let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2 because Paul writes about this. He writes the ancient church in Philippi and here's what he shares with them. He says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours, which is mine in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He let it go. Here's what he says. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. So Jesus emptied himself of his divine attributes so he could serve as our role model. I think somewhere along the lines, we, we've, we've missed that. It's like we know that, but we don't know that. Jesus used spiritual disciplines. Here's what I want us to understand this morning. He used spiritual disciplines to walk with the Father and to develop and learn as we do. Again, he's our model. And how do I know this? Look at Luke chapter 2. We spent some years in Luke. Luke chapter 2, here's what it said. Jesus increased. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So if Jesus grew, it meant he was starting from somewhere. He didn't have it all to begin with. Jesus grew. So then the question that usually follows as I explain these things is, well, then how did Jesus heal people and raise people from the dead, you might ask? And here's a very simple answer. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You want to know what Luke is? Luke is all about a spirit-empowered Jesus. That's what the gospel of Luke is. Jesus used spirit empowerment and spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines to carry out his ministry while he was on earth. And how do I know this? Look at Luke chapter four. We walked through Luke, so you should know these things. Now I'm just gonna dive in deeper and point them out. It says that Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues. So he returned in the power of the spirit. Here's what's important for us to consider this morning. Jesus did not do anything miraculous until after his water baptism and his wilderness experience where he's empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work. Nothing. 30 years, anonymous. 30 years growing up in a no-name village in Galilee. That's what he did. But then what happens now, at the age of 30, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus at his baptism. This is what we find earlier in Luke chapter 3. The Spirit then leads him into the wilderness, which is its own message, because we think God only leads us to, like, fun and games. Guess what? Spirit leads us into wilderness experiences, too. Go back and listen to that message in Luke if you have questions about that this morning. There's a lot there, because what Jesus is doing when he leads us through the wilderness is he's forming Christ in us. That's part of our spiritual growth and development. That's just what he does. So the Spirit descends... He leads him into the wilderness, spends 40 days in fasting and prayer, and then he comes out full of the Holy Spirit and miracles begin to occur. Holy Spirit empowerment. That's how he did what he did. And I know that we love our Superman Jesus who leaves tall buildings in a single bound, right? We love that guy. And we like him because if Jesus did what he did, not because he was the son of God, but simply because he had spiritual gifts and because he engaged in spiritual disciplines and because he had Holy Spirit power, then all of a sudden it's not like, I can't do that because Jesus was the son of God. It's no, I actually could do that if I just followed Jesus and was empowered by his spirit and engaged in spiritual disciplines, which is a by daily. You don't know about that? There's a uh, book in your seat back. It's so important and spiritual gifts. So, so what happens if we understand it through this lens, then it's kind of like, uh-oh. Uh, if, if Jesus did what he did because the Holy Spirit and power, it looks like I, I maybe I'm not meeting my full potential here in the kingdom. And I point that out to you this morning to say, but you can. You can. You can be Jesus. You can live like him. You also need other people in your life to help you figure that stuff out. Because you do war against the flesh. There's a lot in the New Testament about that too. 
but we can live like Jesus. And it's important that we understand that first before we then get into who Jesus was and what he did and what he taught. You can live Jesus. And the wonderful thing that we know about the movement that's happening in the Middle East and well beyond now is when you live Jesus, extraordinary things happen. They really do. Now, I I was putting this message together and realized that's a lot to sit in. You could be thinking about that for the next couple of days. But yet I still have more to share. So I'll come back to this. Don't worry. In fact, next week I'll unpack it even more. But I want to keep moving this morning because I want you to understand those four qualities that Ross mentioned in terms of how it is that we live Jesus. And so then the first point is, is living like Jesus, to be who he was. And so then the question is, well, who is Jesus? And, and as you really look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot that you could write about. But I'm just going to mention one this morning, that Jesus was a humble servant. That's it. So let's just live on, live on that one. Jesus was a humble servant. Here's what we find in John chapter 13. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, so again, all things, and that he had come from God, was going back to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his outer garments. Had all things, he emptied himself. Taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I'll tell you what, as I read that verse, I always want to think, and wipe them with his hair. You know, but that's, that's a different passage. Okay, sorry. I get distracted. Lots of things go on in my head as I'm talking. It's a bad, bad place to be. All right. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I am your example. Here's my summary. I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Look at Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He's a humble servant. So if we want to be who Jesus is, so should we be. So how are you doing in this area of serving others? Did you find a place to serve here in the the local church? I mentioned that in the message on spiritual gifts. If you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, you just got to jump in somewhere and and start serving, and and the Lord will make it clear what those are. Think about your household. Wives, how are you doing loving and serving your husbands? Husbands, how are you doing loving and serving your wives? Youth and young adults, how are you doing loving and serving your professors, teachers, fellow students? How are we all doing in loving our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends and family, and serving them? I would say this. Don't wait for them to serve you. You be the first one to serve. Watch what happens. Your environment around you will change. People start asking questions. Why are you doing stuff like this? And this matters because we can be a part of the next great awakening by being who Jesus was. But we can also be a part of the next great awakening by doing what Jesus did. We can be a part of the next great awakening by doing what Jesus did. And, and so again, there's a lot that you could unpack in terms of things that Jesus did, but I'm just going to mention a few this morning. And, and the first one I'll mention is that Jesus practiced spiritual disciplines. I'm, a couple of those that are very easy to find is fasting and prayer. Jesus took time to fast and he took time to pray. Reading from Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus, every once in a while, if he felt like it, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. No, it doesn't. He often 
he often withdrew. And in case you don't know, in, in Greek, the Greek word behind that often, it means often. <laughs> like a lot. So he did it a lot. This episode of Jesus praying, it comes after his 40 days in the wilderness when he took time to fast and pray. I already mentioned it's not until Jesus spent time in the wilderness, it's not until his 40 days of of prayer and fasting that he begins to minister and the miraculous begins to occur. If I could submit to you this morning, one of the reasons, I get this question sometimes because we got to work in overseas settings and and Ross was here and he shared the miraculous of things that, that are happening there. And I would say one of the reasons we don't see very many mighty acts of God in our church is because we've not learned to be people who pray and fast. It's one of the things I put before you today. If we want to put on Jesus, we must become a church that takes seriously the disciplines of prayer and fasting. Man, and the Lord really was convicting me of this in the last year. That's why we started doing First Friday prayers, 6.30 to 10.30 here in the sanctuary. And you're invited to that. Everyone's invited to that. That's why we set up three different prayer times on a Sunday morning in the prayer room down hallway two, 6.15 to 7.15. And and from 7.45 to 8.45, and uh, 9.15 to, to 10.15. Why? Because I know that we've got to increase prayer. That's why we started the year with prayer and fasting, 21 days of fasting, which some people participated in. I understand that if we want to do what Jesus did, we've got to be people who fast and pray. But I'd also say that we've got to be people who enjoy spending time with others around the table. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 19. What we find as you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus spent a lot of time at the table with people. He just did. Luke chapter 19, it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Wouldn't that be awesome if Jesus said that to you? Hey, (laughs) I'm picturing you guys climbing trees right now. It's kind of a funny image. (laughs) Cliff, come down from the tree. I must go to your house today. (laughs) Oh, it's fun stuff. That's amazing. Jesus wants to be in our homes. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, if I have cheated people of their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. That's what happens when Jesus spends time with us. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. As you read through the New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the gospel, collectively they're the gospel, you'll often find Jesus around a table eating with people. Sometimes they're religious Jews, and sometimes it's with people like Zacchaeus. The dinner table was an important place of ministry for Jesus. It really was. I would imagine for for three plus years, the disciples were with Jesus. They'd wake up in the morning. They knew they'd have to go find Jesus who was often in times of prayer. Let's go find Jesus. He's in, in prayer. And then Jesus would teach and heal people by day. And they would wind up around someone's table in the evening for continued teaching and ministry. It's a day in the life of following Jesus. The table needs, here's what I would say this morning, it needs to become an important place of ministry for us as well. And I would say following the example of Jesus with both believers and unbelievers. So if you don't have lunch plans today, grab somebody, go get lunch. Enjoy fellowship with somebody else today. It's important we live well in community with one another. It really is. 
And meals together have a wonderful way of doing just that. To be a part of the next great awakening, we must do what Jesus did. So have you made prayer a priority in your life? If not, I'd encourage you to start to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, just come pray in one of our prayer times on a Sunday morning. You'll hear people pray, and that's how you learn how to pray. That's what the disciples said. Jesus teaches to pray because they were hearing Jesus pray. What about fasting? You take time to fast. Could you spend one meal a week in prayer asking God to use you for his divine purposes? You know, when's the last time you shared a meal with either a believer or unbeliever? When's the last time you had somebody in your home around the table? It's an important place of ministry. So I encourage you, find a way to eat with someone this week. And we can be part of the next great awakening by doing what Jesus did. And we can be a part of the next great awakening by believing what Jesus taught. Part of being a part of the next great awakening is we, we need to believe what Jesus taught. So what did Jesus teach? He taught lots of things. But one of his really important things he taught was he taught about forgiveness. We find in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is, is preaching what's called the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. So here's what Jesus is saying. You've heard Moses say, but I, Jesus, say, okay, that's, that's pretty big. He's making a bold statement here. He's basically claiming a divine nature because only God can create new laws. I say if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. So I'm sure a lot of us are going to be going to court sometime, right? <laughs> if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting the sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Man, this is a big deal. What Jesus is saying, so you've got to consider context. Geography matters in this passage. Jesus is up in the Galilee region, which is north of Jerusalem. He's teaching on the north shore. You can go and visit the place where, where they have understood that he might have been teaching Sermon on the Mount because it's this natural amphitheater. You can sit at the focal point and Jesus could teach and talk to thousands. And so you go to that. So he's in northern Galilee. He's north of Capernaum and and he's teaching the crowd that's there is probably from the Galilee region. There might be from other regions too, but majority from Galilee. And, and so what he's saying is if you, my Galilean brothers and sisters, you go all the way to Jerusalem, which is a good, you know, five to seven day journey, and you get down for your annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the to place where you're going to make your annual sacrifice in order to be right with God, because they're living under the sacrificial system. He says, if there you realize you're at odds with your brothers or sisters... Leave the sacrifice, which means you're leaving it that year. Go back. Make things right with your brother or sister. That's a really powerful statement. And what Jesus is saying in that statement is, in order for you to be right with God, you also need to be right with people. Forgiveness is really important in the kingdom of God. As Ross and I were talking about this on the way to the airport, he, he talked about how the, the believers in the Middle East, when they gather and, and they're going to have a Bible study, they first take communion. And they take communion because you can't sit at the table with someone in the Middle East if you're at odds with them. So they sit at table and they take communion, which is falafel and Coke, by the way. Maybe we should do that here. Who'd like falafel and Coke for communion? Yeah. <laughs> so they sit down for communion and they do that because they're going to take communion to say, I'm good with you. I'm good with you. Because if I'm not, I can't sit at this table with you. That's a powerful example for us today. Yes, if we want to live right with God, we've got to live right with others. So how are we doing in that area? How are you doing with your brothers and sisters 
in the church? Are you living well with them? If we believe what Jesus taught, even when his teachings are difficult, then we can live like Jesus. We can be him to the world. And here's what I would say in the area of forgiveness. If you were here last July, we had a a wonderful couple come who had lived overseas and experienced incredible tragedy and, and hardship. But they shared this incredible message of forgiveness. If you want to know what forgiveness looks like, go back and listen to that message from the BBs. That message of forgiveness, because what they shared in there is forgiveness unlocks something powerful in the kingdom, in your life and in the lives of people around you. So that's what I want for you. So that's why I would mention this here. I know that these can be hard truths, but I share them because I want you set free in Jesus' name. And forgiveness is a part of that liberating power in your life. Will we be people who forgive others? Will we be people, as Jesus would say, that loves our enemies? That's part of the teaching later on in this passage. If we're going to be a part of the next great awakening, we do that by believing what Jesus taught. And we can be a part of the next great awakening by obeying what Jesus commanded. We can be a part of that next great awakening by believing and obeying what Jesus commanded. And what did he command? There's, again, several things I could pull out. I'm just going to mention, too, that in John chapter 13, here's what Jesus says, a new commandment. So he's given a new command. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are love one another. And then from Mark chapter 12, similar language, Jesus is telling, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus' greatest commandment for us, talking about obeying what Jesus commanded, it's love, which you can tie that back to forgiveness. How do you forgive someone? Love. I talked about this in a message about loving Jesus and others at the beginning of the year and unpacked that verse a bit more. Jesus said love would be the defining characteristic of what it meant to be a follower of his. So how are we doing in that area of loving? How are you doing loving other believers? How are you doing loving your neighbor? And, and I always like to reinforce, I actually mean your real neighbor, like the person that lives to your right and to your left, like those are your neighbors. How are you doing loving them? Do you know their names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know their eternal destiny based on how they're living for Jesus or not living for him? And how about those neighbors not like you? Do, do you love those neighbors of different race and nationality? Do you love them well? Do you love people affected by prison and, and poverty? Do you love people in our community with special needs? To live like Jesus, it's important we love well. And then, how are we doing loving our global neighbor, right? We've talked a lot about that here. You know, do you come to our global prayer events to pray for the nations? Do you pray for those going to the nations? We've got people going. Are we praying for them? Do we give selflessly in order to help others hear the good news that Jesus came to set them free? Are you willing to go to them if God were to ask you? Have you laid that down to the Lord? Jesus says if we love him, we'll obey his commands. And the very last command he gives, he says, as the one enthroned, Jesus is enthroned over this earth. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Why? Because he gives you that authority. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Why? Because obedience is the love language of Jesus. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the promise of a good king. He's with us. He's with us. If we love Jesus, we'll go and make obedient disciples of him. If we love Jesus, we'll do this with our neighbors. If we love Jesus, we'll do this with our coworkers. If we love Jesus, we'll do it with others around the world. And here's how we do this. Here's how we ish Isa. Here's how we live Jesus. 
we go and make obedient disciples of others by being who Jesus was, doing what Jesus did, believing what Jesus taught, and obeying what Jesus commanded. And we can be part of the next great awakening. I want to say that again. It's not we hope to be, it's we can. We can be part of the next great awakening by obeying what Jesus taught. And we can be part of that next great awakening by learning how to live like Jesus. Because there's a process involved. We can be part of that next great awakening by learning how to live like Jesus. And so how do we want to do that? We want to do that with, with mentoring. So in 2018, in the fall of 2018, we launched mentoring groups here at Connection Point. We had 100 plus people walk through that process, 10 months of, of growing in God with others. And it was great to see how God raised up people, uh, especially in leadership. So a lot of the leaders, a number of the leaders we have in the church today came out of those mentoring groups. And it was wonderful to see people grow in Jesus and to be able to grow in God together and to grow close in relationship with others in the body. That's wonderful outgrowth of that. But at the same time, what we were really going after with mentoring is to help people live and look like Jesus. That was a statement we made. We want to help you live and look like Jesus. But we haven't had a model of that. So we just, we enter out into how the best way we think that we can do that. And then you make adjustments. And so then what we've done is spent the last eight months rewriting the content for what it looks like to do mentoring. And we've made adjustments so that we can better focus and center our lives on those four principles. In mentoring, we want to help you be who Jesus was. We want to help you do what Jesus did, to believe what Jesus taught, and obey what he commanded. So a couple of the things, I'll just mention them here, and we'll unpack this in, in weeks and months to come of what that looks like. But we want to see groups of no more than four, a mentor and three mentees, so that every week you just meet with one other person and you have always a question before you. Share a celebration. How did you live like Jesus this week? And share a challenge. How, how you found that difficult? And if you have every week of doing that for nine months, you're going to look a lot more like Jesus nine months later than you did when you started. And then we have our monthly meetings. And monthly meetings are going to focus basically on scripture and prayer. We just want to spend time in God's word and allow him to tell us, based on this passage, what should I do? And who can I share it with? How can I live in your gospel? And how can I share your gospel? Because we want to help you do what Jesus did and live like he is. And we'll read a couple of books, but we'll reduce that too because in the end, we really want to look at scripture and prayer and be molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit and with the body of Christ along with us on that journey. But we just want to take time to really center on what does it look like to live like Jesus, to be like him. Part of that will include journaling. We want to journal through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and take from July to December to do that. And do that in a very particular way to give you a journal to say, just go through like a chapter at a time. Pace it out. Find in that chapter, who was Jesus? And write it down. Find in that chapter, what did he do? Write it down. Find in that chapter, what did he teach? Write it down. Find in that chapter, what did he command us? Write it down. Because if you soak in that, if we want to be who Jesus was, to do what he did, believe what he taught and obey what he commanded, we need to know what those things are. And so we'll spend time to do that. And then a couple of other things we'll do. Uh, one of those in terms of scripture memorization. At the end of the day, Matthews 5, 6, and 7. If you know those chapters well, you know how to live Jesus. So we'll just look to memorize those. We won't jump around. We'll just take in nine months to memorize those chapters. Because if we want to live Jesus, we need to know what he taught and live in those words. So I'll encourage you next year, as we enter into what we're preparing for for the future, our new beginning at Connection Point, Next year, we want to do Emotionally Healthy Groups together as a church-wide connect group series. And then the next fall, fall of 2021, we'll relaunch Mentoring as Live Jesus Mentoring because we really want to help you put on Jesus. And I will say this, you can do it. We can collectively live like Jesus. It will transform your life and it will transform the lives of those around you. It will change the environment in which you live. 
So I want to encourage you to come back next week. Our music team's going to come, and we're going to close in song this morning. And as we close this series next week, we're going to close with a message on Awaken to a Movement. And what I want to do in that message is basically capture everything we've talked about the last five weeks and really what's been the last several years of Shelly and I coming back into the U.S. and just asking with open hearts and minds, Holy Spirit, help us hear what you're doing in the church today. Going to Revelation 2 and 3. That's the admonition for us, that we would hear what the Spirit is doing and that we would enter into that space. And so next week I'm going to wrap, or bring that all together and at the same time cast vision for here's where we're going the next five years and beyond because we know what Jesus is doing and now we just want to enter into that space and do what he's doing to be what Jesus is and to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community and the world. I want to end you with this encouraging note. You matter to this church and you can live like Jesus. As you hear this message, may it not be one of, I don't even know how that's even possible. I want to tell you this morning, you can because you have the Holy Spirit. If you've devoted your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. And we also would encourage you to seek Holy Spirit empowerment. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks as we get into Acts. You have that opportunity. You can live like Jesus. And you can be a part of what God is doing in the world today. To be a part of his kingdom movements. We just have to enter into that space and do it. You matter so much to the kingdom of God. You matter so much to this local church. And I want you to really reach your full potential in the kingdom of God. And we can only do that together. So may we do it. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And before we close, you know, in order for you to, to live Jesus and to enter into that mentoring relationship with him, because that's really what's necessary, you first need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior before he can be your model. He could be your model, but you really can't live it out unless he's your Lord and Savior. So I don't know where you find yourself today, but if today you would say, I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I, I don't have that kind of relationship with him. I just invite you to bow every head here this morning and give you a space to respond to Jesus, your Lord and Savior. So you don't know him that way, but you'd say, but I, I want to devote my life to Jesus and know him as Lord and Savior to experience the gospel we talked about last week of being set free. That's yours today. So I would say, who here today would say, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow him, to know him as Savior and Lord. Who here today would say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus today enter into a relationship with him so that he might set me free and change my life. I was in the county jail this last week talking with a couple of the inmates there and, and, and just having the conversation with them that in life, we're going to have something as our master. We're just designed that way. And all of them would recognize, yeah, we, we've totally been mastered by other things. And the invitation of Jesus is, let's be mastered by a good king who leads us into good things. And maybe that's been part of the issue for you is you've allowed other things to master your life, but you're not meant to. You're meant to serve one and one only, and he's good. So who here, who here today would say, I need Jesus to lead my life, to establish his rule and reign in me? That's what the kingdom of God is. Jesus, I just thank you for the invitation you give every one of us to live well in your kingdom, to be set free by you. Lord, I pray for each and every one in this room. I pray, Jesus, that they experience your good news. Lord, so that they might live in your good news and share your good news. God, I, I pray that you'd help everyone in this room to see their God-given potential that you have given them in this church and in your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you then help us enter into that space. Lord, I, I pray that we would enter into a mentoring relationship with you, first of all, by abiding in you. And Lord, I pray that we'd enter into mentoring relationships with others 
in our local body. Lord, help us become whole. Help us to live like you and then live sent. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.